0: Driving it home
1: with Patty Vasquez.
0: Patty Vasquez from global conflicts to greenhouse gases. The folks refusing to wear masks. Says as politicians getting caught grabbing ass, Says She's driving it home with Patty Vasquez
2: okay we don't have that much time when it comes when it comes to the general election a, and some people have already started voting uh, the, obviously the general election is on November 8th and we want to find out ways that we can get involved and I want to thank uh, everyone who's been reaching out to ask you know well how can we help how, what do we how do we get to Wisconsin how do we uh, get involved in races that we want to make sure uh, we can have an impact on and of course Wisconsin is one of the places that we're all uh, focused on and fired up about and joining us on the line right now Now is Kathy Tolan of Indivisible Chicago, Uh, and we want to talk about. She's, I I believe you're uh, you're on the board, and you're also the director of. uh, Tell me your title at Indivisible Chicago, Kathy.
3: (laughs) Sure, I'm the chair of the board of Indivisible Chicago. I'm also uh, one of the coordinators of our campaign committee.
2: Yes. And that's so folks do really, you know, well, we we get kind of complacent about Illinois being blue. We obviously know we have important races, as Joan was talking about, the appellate court, court race and the Supreme Court races. But we also know that federally we need to get involved and get people motivated to show up. So tell us about this weekend's event in Wisconsin.
3: Sure. Well, so Individual Chicago has been working over the last, you know, months to engage everybody who wants to help get out the vote. Wisconsin's been our number one priority. We are are working this weekend, next weekend, uh, uh, canvassing in in Wisconsin. We're on the phones as well um, during the week. But this Saturday and Sunday, we're going to... Racine, and to Milwaukee. Um, Our trip on Saturday actually has the uh, added uh, bonus that our candidate for Senate, Mandela Barnes, will be joining us uh, at the beginning of our canvas, may even be canvassing with us. Um, So we're very excited about that.
2: And that's the thing is that it feels as though people want to have an impact. They want to know that they're telling folks, look, I've, I've driven from Chicago. I've driven from Kankakee. I've driven from Naperville. This is how important it is to everybody. What kind of reaction are you getting from Wisconsin voters when you reach out to them, whether it's by calling or getting involved at the local races?
3: Yeah, well, we definitely get some of that. Oh, my gosh, you came all the way here to tell me I should vote. Maybe I really should vote. We had we had a canvasser last weekend who got exactly that response from people. And look, the people we're going to talk to are folks who are uh, will vote for the Democrats. But they don't always vote. And if we get everybody to vote who voted in 2020, we win the election hands down. So um, we get a lot of appreciation from folks or sometimes we're you know, making the case that voting this time is really important. But um, the fact that we've come up and knocked on people's doors, they really appreciate it.
2: And how so you're you're meeting at a couple of locations. Are there any folks that are doing a caravan like meeting somewhere locally and then driving up together?
3: Yeah. uh, When you sign up, if you need a ride, we get you a ride. So right now we're matching people up with uh, drivers so that uh, they can come up uh, uh, together and meet us in Racine on Saturday uh, or meet us in Milwaukee on Sunday. Um, And so all you have to do is sign up. And if you if you don't have a car and need a ride, we will arrange it for you.
2: And OK, so the first place is in Racine. So if they decide they want to drive there. They go to your website first to register so that you know people are coming and kind of. Absolutely. Yep. So where do people can they call email? Yeah. Yes. So they go
3: to our website, which is uh, uh, IndivisibleChicago.com. Um, that's the easiest way to get you where you need to go. Go to our elections page and all of our listings of events are there. And you just sign up for uh, the one you want. Uh, If you want to come on Saturday, let us know today. You can let us know tomorrow. We'll make it work.
2: That's fantastic. And it's been, uh, I mean, look, uh, people are saying that this is the most important election of our lifetimes. And I know we've been saying that for several uh, of the past few elections, only, you know, with the events of the last, not just the last few months with in regards to Roe v. Wade and Dobbs, you know, the uh, attack on the Capitol on January 6th. And you have Mandela Barnes running against an incumbent who does deny that anything happened there, has recommended that people use uh, Listerine to fight off COVID. Uh, this is, this, regardless of the fact that if we all show up, we can win, uh, we are fighting against some kind of uh, scary uh, folks, groups of people that really d- would rather trade Social Security, Medicare and abortion access for some, you know, make believe thing like critical race theory or kids are being groomed at coffee shops by drag queens. Right.
3: That's all true. All of that is happening. Um, the airwaves are being bombarded with messages that are just straight out untrue. They're they're um, attacking the Democratic candidates for all kinds of things that, you know, have nothing to do with anything to distract from the fact that they want to do all the things that you just said, Patty. Um, so they're, you know, they're talking about soft on crime. They're talking about uh, you know, immigration, they're talking about all kinds of things that are scared to, to scare people away. And that's why the contact with voters is so, so important. They're also making it harder, you know, all the time for people to vote. So they need to know what, where to vote, when to vote uh, to make sure they follow, follow the rules, right? So that their vote will count.
2: And what are you hearing when you talk to vo- folks when you're canvassing, or what are some of your door knockers hearing? You know, what is important to people? Is it the that they're worried about crime? And it's it, let's just for a moment because a lot of folks are talking about street crime and and violence, which is being reported more, even though crime has not gone up significantly. uh It, it is reported more. I mean, it has it, it's going up in some areas, and, and often as a result of the strains and stresses of the pandemic. And people are not fired up about the white collar crimes like wage theft and corporate gouging. Right.
3: Right. But you know what? We don't hear people talk about crime when we go to the doors. Honestly, we hear people talk about uh, their freedom that we can hear talk about reproductive rights. We do hear we hear people talk about uh, economic issues, um, but we we really don't hear crime as a thing that's top of mind for the folks we knock on the doors of.
2: That's good to know that because that, that it, you would think from everything again, even I'm falling for the oversaturation, whether it is fake newspapers in our mailboxes or, you know, people online and especially living in Chicago. I mean, my son goes to the University of Chicago and there are students from all over the world that came here last month for their freshman year with parents who were terrified of our city. You know what I mean? It's crazy. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. But, I, you know, I think we have to not pay attention. We need to not be distracted ourselves by right. all the misinformation that goes out. And we should be not distracted by what the pollsters are telling us, because none yes. of them right now are giving us useful information at all. Really, the, this is a election across the board, not just in Wisconsin, but in all the close races. That is within what folks are saying is the margin of effort. Uh, we put the we put the energy into getting the people to vote uh, and we'll win. Um you know, when you look at uh, people who uh, might vote, we win. Right. So uh, we just need to get those folks to get out and vote. And that's a that's a challenge that that we can meet.
2: I agree. So getting if out the
3: vote get out there, yeah. if we get there, if we go and do it, if we get on the phones, you can also volunteer with us to make phone calls. Those are on there. Um on on our site. And we'll have also a list of other places besides Indivisible Chicago where you can sign up
2: to do phone calling in this last uh, week and a half that we've got. It is it is a crunch time. We, we've been talking to Kathy. Th- 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 is it Tolan or Tholan? Uh, let me know. Tolan. Tolan, Indivisible Board Chair and Co-Chair of Elections Committee. And we are t- encouraging folks to help get that energy because midterm elections can be a place where we lose ground, don't you think?
3: Oh, yeah, it it absolutely can be, but it
2: doesn't have to be. No. No, so let me just add that it's fun. Our people are having a great
3: time doing this.
2: Yes, and the links to the events are also available on the Patty Vasquez show page. I know I was I like I am thinking should I recommend some good restaurants and I mean, I'm a I'm a big fan of Maters. It's a, it's a classic in Milwaukee. And uh, and Racine's got some great places to stop afterwards too and get you know, you, you stop at the brat stop on the way back. You, you have a nice there you, go. you have a nice dinner, get some cheese, go to the Cheese Castle. Uh, road trip with Indivisible Chicago this weekend, Saturday, October 29th. From 9 a.m. to noon uh, and also uh, it's going to be in Milwaukee 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. with the Wisconsin Dems. Go to Invisible Chicago's uh, websites. Uh, We've also got the links on my Facebook page. Anything else you want to make sure people know about before we go? Nope. We can win if we do the work. So let's go out and do it for the next week and a half. We're within a margin of effort, people. I love that. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Kathy. Have Have a great rest of your day. Thanks. You too. Good luck. Let's get it. Thanks. Let's take a break here. When we come back, we're going to talk to a Twitter account. Yeah. I'm doing that today. I've never done this. Remember uh, when Tom and I were in here a couple weeks ago talking about uh, people who are anonymous behind Twitter accounts? Only here's the difference. This is somebody who, one, really celebrates the taverns and pubs of Chicago and wants to talk about uh, the CTA and what we need to know about how their leadership is not just falling down on the job but letting down people in the city of Chicago who need to get to work, need to get to see people, uh, and maybe get to a bar or two. More after this on Driving at Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820, Heartland Signal.
4: Because facts matter. You are listening to WCPT 820.
5: Hi, this is Kirk Bankstead from the Manaqua Brewing Company, and I sell Choice Hard Seltzer, an all-natural grapefruit-flavored booze that you can enjoy for only 100 calories a can. A percentage of the proceeds of every can of Choice Hard Seltzer you buy goes to reproductive rights organizations in the Chicagoland area. Enjoy a light, refreshing hard seltzer this summer and support reproductive
2: freedom at the same time. Now available at Dino's Cardinal Liquors in Gurney, Illinois, and Sugar Beet Food Co-op in Oak Park, as well as in Chicago at Jarvis Square Tavern in Rogers Park and Garfield's Beverage Express Wicker Park. Please drink responsibly
0: matter want to hear some truth get your lazy ass down to the voting booth and vote damn it vote oh, damn, oh, damn it want some justice on the supreme court
2: So some of you know that I'm a bit of a dork for local politics, and uh, invariably I will watch uh, live city council, but uh, fortunately I uh, I don't always have to because there are other uh, pol- policy wonks out there who uh, enjoy both a beverage as I do and watching what's going on at City Hall, and lately the CTA has been, uh, I would say, falling down on the job. Uh, Chicago Bars, the Twitter account Chicago Bars, joins me. Uh, Chicago Bars is, uh, you know, here's the thing, I, I, a lot of folks have tried to Guess, but what we know is that Chicago Bars is a Chicago Tavern advocate and concerned CTA writer, as many of us are. So hello, Chicago Bars. How are you doing today?
5: Great. I appreciate you having me on, and uh, I wish I could be doing it from a tavern downtown, but they're all a little too busy because Thursday's a new Friday uh, for the downtown places. Oh, no doubt. So I'm joining i joining us from the Merchandise
2: market. instead. <laughs> I was at uh, Three Counties Pub one day trying to do a, a live stream, and I was like, I, I, I don't. why do I think I can do this? I, I, it's too loud, which is a good thing. Our pubs are getting busy, so that's a good thing. Uh, what also is getting busy are our trains, because uh, ridership uh, during the pandemic obviously dropped significantly as, as people avoided it. But right now, uh, people want to know why trains are late, uh, why the leadership of CTA is not showing up to hearings and being held accountable. So tell us what you know and what's going on in city hall and with cta
5: well coming out of the pandemic doing work for bars and restaurants in the hospitality industry you spend a lot of time watching city hall and it's not my area at all other than i hope to ride cta every day for work and never drive Uh, but going back to february the city had made extra money off a real estate transfer tax last year the cta was entitled to a cut and the alderman thought it'd be nice if the cta sent the president over to answer some questions before they sent him 16 million dollars Never showed. Then the service issues have gotten worse coming out. They've gotten more. They've got a huge amount of federal tax money, but problems persist. And still, they refuse to show up at City Hall to talk to the aldermen.
2: Which is unconscionable. And it's not just – it's state, too, because I remember I was in Springfield a few years ago when they were getting – again, when you mentioned the along the train lines, they decide whether or not they're going to sort of pick up property, let's say, in order to feed the function of CTA. But if they're not going to be held accountable – this reminds me a little bit of of the park districts, too. It's like how are they their own entity and not being held accountable for what they're doing – And CTA is crucial for communities that don't have the access to resources that so many other communities do, right?
6: Yeah, it's
5: absolutely critical. And if you work in Chicago, especially my area of interest is bartenders, servers, and line cooks. If you don't think it's safe, or more likely, if it doesn't show up at 11, 12 midnight, 1, 2 in the morning, you're going to be out of pretty expensive rideshare share ride to get home. That's coming right out of your paycheck because we don't have a safe, clean CTA in the city right now. And if we're ever going to get people back downtown in the offices or even the tourist industry, it needs to be safe and clean for them too. They need a lot of tax money. They get a lot of tax money from the city of Chicago. And honestly, if you gave me $120 million every year, I can make the 10 minute trip down to city hall two, three times a year to answer your questions. And that's what they get (laughs) from the city of Chicago every year.
2: And uh, you know, you you posted about, or somebody had written, a, yeah, no, you posted how much uh, the president is it a president? The guy from CTA makes is this three hundred seventy seven thousand dollars a year?
5: Yeah, he makes uh, just about exactly as much as Mayor Lightfoot and County Board President Freckwinkle combined.
2: That's insane. Okay, folks, listen, operational spending is set to rise to one point eight billion up to one point seven percent, mostly driven by salary hikes. Right. And this is what we talk. I just mentioned this in the last segment. We end up, you know, sort of accusing each other of whether it's taking money from the government and welfare and all these things. And we're never looking at the people at the top who are the ones that are benefiting the most from the resources that we need. And and they don't want to show up. Yeah, and it's, uh,
5: I believe, I believe both Senator Durbin and Rep. Garcia wrote them a letter and copied the Amalgamated Transit Workers Union going, we need to have a talk about employee safety. And that was one of the strings apparently attached to their their federal assistance. So presumably that discussion got set up but rider safety, rider services, they don't even want to come to City Hall to talk about it, not even to brag if they think they're doing a good job. And it just drives the CTA user to distraction that they won't even do that because it's frequently not a good experience.
2: You know, a lot of folks also talk about – Look, the CTA is not only a good resource for folks who need to get to work or just get to where they're going, get to O'Hare, obviously, a lifeline for whether it's tourists or people who work at the airport. Uh, You know, we think about tourism. but We also have a lot of people who work, uh, you know, whether it's security or the airlines who need those lines as well. And then, you know, there should be it seems as if we all look at the homeless issue. And I know I saw one time when you when (laughs) it's always amusing when you like, look, this shouldn't be happening. We shouldn't be walking by Piles of crap at the Belmont stop or whatever. You pointed out, and people are like, well, maybe what if you come up with a solution? You're like, okay, we can also say that this is not how we want this to be and say that someone should be able to have dignity. And it seems as though there could be a solution combining city services and CTA, right?
5: They got to look at it. Do a delegate. I mean, they're using CPD for their security. Right. They are using their own budget money. I think it's $30 million to pay CPD officers overtime to work for the CTA directly. There's no reason that we can't look at giving what, one, two, three million dollars to streets and sand to help out with those stations. The other part though is if anybody from the CTA cared and went to the Belmont station, you'd see that all of the pigeon strips that are supposed to be are falling off. Right. Like you know I don't think the senior leadership who are all making over two hundred thousand dollars even use their own service. And that's a problem.
2: Yeah. That's another thing is, uh, you know, for all the faults of Rahm Emanuel, at least we knew he took the train and uh, continues to take it in his job as a diplomat. I also, you know, the fact that there are no public bathrooms and look, this is something that's in other cities. I was surprised when I was in London that they also did not have access, uh, you know, other places where it just seems common sense to have access to public bathrooms, especially at like some of the bigger stations when you have a place like the Blue Line uh terminal in jefferson park it just seems common sense and if these guys are all making over quarter million dollars a year uh it's it's not sustainable that way
5: what i've been told by some city council members i trust is the cta says they can't do bathrooms because it'll be a security issue and they're worried about drug use or people setting up in them i'm right uh, why not set it up at two stations and to a pilot yeah. put one in the loop, put one down on the orange line, and let's find out. Right. Like they don't even want to put a portal at at a couple of the ground level stops where they'd be at two fifty a month.
6: Right. That's
5: basic human decency.
2: Right. They, that was like the uh, uh, when they did the curfew, they didn't have any studies to support the decision, but they were going to do it anyway. It was like what? What? <laughs> so this one is we think something bad would happen, so let's not do it. That seems to be the logic, don't you think?
5: Yes, and something very, very, very inexpensive to do is anybody who's ever thrown a wedding and needed to rent a nice portalet can tell you. Like, and they're spending thirty million dollars on unarmed security guards. They like spend three hundred thousand on a pilot of a couple porta potties. Right. But again, I don't think there's near leadership rides to service, so it isn't even on their radar.
2: And then yesterday, Alderman Vasquez, uh, Andre Vasquez, no relation, uh, w- wore a, uh, <laughs> a ghost because the other issue are ghost trains. People will be standing on a platform and, and they'll, there's a train scheduled and all of a sudden it just vanishes. Tell us a little bit about Do you have any numbers or any uh, grasp on how, how widespread that is throughout CTA?
5: Uh, I do not. There's some another Twitter account and they picketed the CTA coordinating last month, I think, called Commuters Take Action. And somehow they figured out, apparently, how to see how many blue-line trains um, fail to show up at all, ghosts, um, because they don't have the service to run them, but they don't remove them from their train tracker. And I think it was around 70% last week. I'm um, I mean, Sorry, 30% of the trains, if I remember correctly, like didn't exist, but were still in the tracker. I mean, it's 2022. You would think you'd be able to figure out you could actually delivering the location of your large chunks of metal on a rail, but it doesn't seem to be a priority for the CTA.
2: No. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about this, uh, the proposal that Andre Vasquez, Alderman Vasquez uh, submitted, and uh, there, I believe there were eight alder people that did not. This is the transparency uh, proposal he put. He Is that right?
5: Yeah, his proposal, Not put words in his mouth, but I read it like four times um, before I got really angry. It didn't go anywhere was basically the CTA has to show up once a quarter or whenever there's any kind of appropriation from city council. Um, and It's short. It's like a page and a half. Thirty-seven aldermen immediately signed on to it. As of this morning, 42 of the 50. Eighty-four percent of the aldermen signed on to it. Um, that may have gone up since this morning. Um Maybe it's too broad because the CTA gets a lot of permits and building fee waivers from the city, and you got to narrow that down so that the president of the CTA is not showing up every time you need a $10,000 permit. <laughs> but it's a $1.9 billion agency getting over $120 million from CTA of city money every year, and it's 10 minutes away from City Hall. Come on down once a quarter and tell us how it's going. Discussion metrics. I mean, it, that seems like a really low ask of hundred Vasquez and... Eighty-five percent of the aldermen who supported that.
2: Right, because I believe the last time he was supposed to appear, he ended up uh, uh, attending a virtual meeting instead. If, if I recall correctly.
5: Oh yes, he <laughs> was uh, participated in. It may have been pre case, but Bloomberg, uh, the news company, had a public transit online summit, and he participated in that. Um, sure. Again, it's ten minutes. It's ten minutes away from City Hall. Like he's not there because it's hard to get there. He doesn't want to go, but he wants the money. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's uh, it, folks, uh, reach out to your older people. Let them know that you want more accountability and you want to know what what they're up to. You want transparency, and for leadership to account for what you know what's going on. Uh, beyond that, uh, do you have any uh, f- favorite watering holes you'd like to tell us about, or, or are they all undisclosed locations?
5: <laughs> so I love all of my tavern licensed children, <laughs> as I like to say, but. Um, no, we've got about eight hundred of the traditional caverns left. Corner places It's kind of. So I like going to the neighborhood ones that are all tucked away, like Small Bar over in Avondale. Um, Will's Northwoods Inn in the middle of Lakeview—like that thing shouldn't exist, but it does in the middle of a residential neighborhood. Um,
2: so I'm guessing you've been to the North Newark Bell, Nook. Do, do we know if Newark Nook is hanging around? Are, do they, are they do they have new owners?
5: That's funny. A couple of neighbors have reached out to me through that uh, Twitter app as well and told me that um, it has a buyer who wants to live there, rent out the other apartment, and keep operating it. So I hope that deal moves ahead, but they were very excited in the neighborhood cause- Classic yeah. institution.
2: Yeah, that's uh, that's where you're like walking down a block. You've got a you've got a cemetery at the end of the block, and in the middle of the block, you got the Newark Nook. It's fantastic. It's where I grew up in Norwood Park. <laughs> it's one of my favorite joints.
5: Yeah, I mean, the first time I went in there, I'm like, I don't have no idea how you guys have lasted this long here. But God
2: bless. <laughs> well, well, if you spend enough time on the northwest side, uh, it's, it's understandable, uh, folks. You, you should be sh- you should be following Chicago bars again, Chicago Tavern Advocate, and concerned CTA rider. Uh, check it with us anytime you'd like. All right, my friend.
5: Hey, I'd love to. Thanks so much for having me on. Really enjoyed it.
2: Absolutely. Talk to you soon. Was there anything else you wanted to tell us? I don't. I hate uh, for anyone to have something they wanted to say and, and forget about it, or I didn't ask.
5: Well, I guess because your, re- your listeners are all super engaged. Before the end of the year, the CK is trying to get a new TIF downtown to get more, like over a billion dollars in federal matching funds. That's going to happen, and it should, because it'll extend the red line and get us a lot of great union jobs building it out. But they got to agree to some basic accountability before the city council can cut them off. Yep. A billion-dollar TIF to get another billion in federal money. So call your alderman friends.
2: Yes. I agree. All right, let's get on it. Take care. Have a great evening and uh, cheers.
5: You too. Cheers.
2: <laughs> Thanks a lot. Let's take a break here. We come back. We'll talk to film critic Mike Crowley. I'll take your calls. Uh, I want to talk about horror movies. I love Halloween movies. I want to know what Mike likes, but I also want to talk about zombie movies, which uh, I just started watching. I, I left my comfort zone and now I understand it's more about man against man than it is man against monster. Well, at least in reaction to man against monster. And we'll talk about that later. More in a moment on driving it home on the Heartland Signal. This is WCPT 820, where you can hear the Stephanie Miller Show every weekday, 8 to 11 a.m., because facts matter.
4: WCPT 820, Chicago's Progressive Talk, where facts matter. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820.
2: In just a few moments, we'll check in with our film critic, Mike Crowley, from You'll Probably Agree. And first, I want to take your phone calls, because I know you've been on hold for a little bit. Let's get to Jim first. Hey, Jim, what's on your mind, my friend?
4: Hi, Patty. Uh, Apparently, the Republican lawyers are breaking all landed speed records challenging the vote all over the country, which would be a headline back when I was a kid. Sure. But it goes by the boards. They're challenging challenging every vote in America. Uh, I guess that's their strategy. Uh, Yep. We know what their strategy is.
2: Intimidation, uh, threats. Yeah, all of that. It's insane.
4: It is insane. But I would say I would say Chicago has the best gin mills anywhere <laughs> in the world. Hey,
2: in case our friend from Chicago bars is listening, what's your favorite neighborhood joint?
4: Well, we used to meet at uh, Berghoff's years ago. Oh where, sure, they, they didn't let women in the place until about the '60s, and uh, I meet my friends down there. Uh, that you name it,
7: uh,
4: you name it. Uh, nobody, is, nobody has bars like Chicago does. I agree. But, anyway, but it's very disturbing when you look at this preposterous idea that we're going to challenge votes across the nation it should be a headline Sure. But
1: it isn't.
2: I know well I think some people are trying to cover it but it's it does, it's not as juicy as drag queens or grooming my kid we, nonsense that these people are spreading no but it's we insane.
4: we must be but we must be winning because uh, the enthusiasm seems to be on the democratic side and if they're pulling out their last card. Yeah. Anyway, Perry, great talking. You have a good night.
2: You First, as well. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Take care, Jim. Let's get to Dave and Hoffman Estates. Hey, Dave, what's on your mind?
6: Hey, Patty, I got a question, quick one. Uh, and then I got a couple other points, as the man would say. Why did they have Mary Jane Theus on the ballot as number 201 when I just reading in their, the Daily Herald today that uh-huh. she was uh, sworn in as chief of state supreme court?
2: I don't know. That's uh, I have I have not I have not heard a tell of this thus far. Mary when Jane. we
6: spoke last time, like you were talking about these other two ladies in the other counties, you know, to vote them in for the Supreme Court and stuff. And, and then I told you after I went in Monday and I voted that I had mentioned that there's also in the Democratic uh, uh, on the um, Cook County on uh, number 201 mm-hmm. Mary Jane Pierce at the very top.
2: And was it was it for was it for retention or was it uh, a, a, a contested it was possibly
6: race? Possibly for retention, but again, maybe it's for retention because I know they did have a bar up there about the vote for all, you know, all judges retention. But
2: uh, hold on, let's see. Thie sworn in as Illinois Supreme Court Chief Justice, and possible uh, amid possible election shakeup, depending on election results, she could preside over first female majority high court. So yes, you you you. Voted correctly. I mean that that's appropriate. I think that was the way. I believe she was um, sworn in. Perhaps something uh, came up, and uh, but she she was replacing. Uh, she'll be she'll serve a three year term replacing Justice Ann Burke, whose term as Chief Justice concluded Tuesday ahead of her planned retirement effective November thirtieth. So she, they swore her in ahead of her retirement, but uh, I, the rest of the the the. Um, the process is to remain on the ballot, and I, I'm guessing you voted for her to hold that position.
6: Okay, yeah, this was confusing because, uh, you know, we're talking about the Supreme Court to keep, um, you know, the Democratic swing, and then I see that she's sworn in, and then it's like, oh, okay. So, um, hey, and um, i seen today, too, where this uh, Cash Mattel was trying to say that Trump had said he had declassified all of these, Documents that were seized. Well, I thought they had been planted by the FBI. <laughs> yeah, so how could he have? Uh, uh,
2: yeah, not now that? The, the twisted logic of these trolls is unending.
6: You know, I yeah. mean, which story you want to go with this week? And yeah. lastly, so you got to, the. Uh, to me, this is an obscenity of obscenities. We maybe had a loggerheads again, but on the news break this morning, I was listening, and they heard them talk about this restaurant in San Francisco, a canine cafe called Dogu or whatever. Mm-hmm. It has a seventy five dollar tasting menu, five dollar drogas chinos and fifteen dollar savory pasties such as tripe and antelope heart and uh
2: uh-huh. on Yikes. Sundays
6: a tasting menu features <laughs> grass fed tartare yeah. topped with quail okay. eggs. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, come on, you got uh you got <laughs> people living in the streets over there, looking like a junior uh, uh, Hooverville's over in there and, and in fact I think on them Hooverville, I believe I read or heard something the other week where in Portland, Oregon, the mayor or something was gonna be plowing down those uh tents and I don't know if you oh, no. somewhere else but
2: Oh well, that's a I thing. People want solutions, but they don't want they they don't they want solutions. But usually it's, a, you know, with a, a broad brush of the stroke rather than the, you know, very fine and, and intensive work that has to be done. I'm going to I got to move. I got Mike holding yeah, I got on. It. All I, right, thanks, I just Dave. To share that. All right, do thank well. Yep. Thank you so much. Let me uh, get to one more call before I get to Mike and then, Brian, hold on. I'll, I'll, we'll talk about your movie, too. Hey, Jim, what's on your mind?
6: Hey, um. There's a town in Nevada that it, they, they, they're they
5: counting everything by hand now. All the votes are by, are by hand. And there's 713 votes that they counted. It took them seven hours. Oh, my God. And now they're talking... They're talking about doing the same thing in Las Vegas, which is thirty-three thousand people. Jeez. So it would take them. I calculated out if they did it for eight hours a day, it would take them eight hundred and seventy-five days to count all the votes by hand.
2: Oh my God!
5: And they're doing this everywhere. They're doing yeah. this everywhere. they they want it, they're they're so enraged
6: by their own stupidity that they want to count everything by hand now. Yeah. So, because, so what Jim was saying, where, where they're going in and, and they're going to challenge everything, and they're already doing that. I say let them. They are so ridiculous. They're they're feeding on
5: their own selves. They're just their their ridiculousness is overwhelming.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. Compl- <laughs> yep, you're not wrong. Thanks for calling. I appreciate it. Have a great day. Let me get to Mike because I, ha- I know he's traveling. Where are you traveling to uh, to or from, Mike?
0: Uh, I am heading actually over to the Laugh Factory to uh, film tonight's show. Oh. Because uh, they have shows every night. Yeah. So I'm heading there and then somewhere to pick up my tripods that I left at a comedy club. <laughs> which,
2: which reminds me, I have uh, I have a full boat of uh, comics on Sunday night for the Patty Vasquez and Friends uh, show with uh, Dr. Bill oh. Miller and Tim Walco, Larry Bloom, Kristen Toomey, KB Marion, and uh, Jim McHugh. It's a lot of comics. I think I'm just going to say, hi, I am, and this is. <laughs>
0: Coming up next. Yeah. Yeah, no yeah, that that's a good lineup. Kristen's hilarious, that's <laughs> one of my favorites.
2: And uh, Mike Crowley is uh, one of our favorite movie critics. Uh, you'll probably agree. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'll probably agree. I mean, that's a, the name of his site. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about <laughs> Halloween movies. Before we go to a break, We're going to do this, uh, start this off right now, and uh, folks want to call it their movies. I know Brian's on hold with one. But I have to tell you, I was. Uh, it was very strange. A friend of mine passed away, and uh, we had the gathering to celebrate his life on Monday. And I just, I needed to unwind. It was a very uh, traumatic experience for various reasons. And I was walking by the local... Logan Square Theater and they had The Shining showing at eleven PM and I found myself with a oh, wow. with a margarita and a bag of popcorn and uh, snow caps and I have never I, I saw it on the big screen uh, when I was little because my parents took me to inappropriate yeah. movies. Hi mommy, love you. <laughs> um,
0: same, here, same, here. <laughs> same exact thing. It is
2: have you seen it on the big screen or have you mostly seen it on small screens?
0: It was weird. I saw it once on the big screen in the music box, but, like, the projection was kind of off. Oh. Uh, Like, it kind of threw me off when I saw it. Oh. But, uh, I mean, that is the movie you have to see on the big screen because anything Stanley Kubrick filmed had to be seen on the largest canvas. Like, a great example is Barry Lyndon, where he filmed that movie in, like, all natural candlelight, and he used basically, like, a Telescope for like a lens, so then he could have like uh. the f-stop or the brightness wide open. And, yeah, like, I would love to see The Shining, like, in a real projection. Like, how did it look when you saw it? Did oh, it was it look really good? It
2: was stunning. And, and you know, like, there's so much more that you see on the big screen. One, a little too much of uh, Jack Nicholson chewing up the scenery. But, <laughs> I mean, re- really, I mean, because there's so many sh- c- close-ups and it's, you know, and then, you know, if you know a little bit about what Shelley Duvall went through, it's, it, that, that kind. Of, you have to separate that a little bit. Um, but I, it's amazing it was so good uh the storytelling is amazing uh, and cinema, it was just great I, I really needed that as a palate cleanser oddly
0: enough have you ever seen the uh, behind the scenes video where he's like basically torturing Shelly Duvall?
2: right that's what i'm talking about yeah it's horrible yeah, it's yeah. horrible
0: yeah oh yeah like she's losing her hair and he's just like oh yeah look at that that's something oh wow well. yeah and you're like really yeah, I'm doing an impression of a man where nobody knows what he sounds like, by the way. But. <laughs>
2: exactly. Well, and also, a story like Gina Davis has a story about Jack Nicholson, you know, try, like basically saying, when is this going to happen? Like the assumption that they were going to sleep together. And she had a great line from Dustin Hoffman. He mm-hmm. told her, if anyone ever tried that, he said, you know, oh, I'd really hate to ruin any future on screen chemistry we might have by doing that. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah, because when I think of taking, like, uh, safe advice, I think of Dustin Hoffman. Uh, exactly. That's what I was thinking,
2: too, but she, like, you know, that's who she credits with it. Uh, you know, there's different people you have in your career. Uh, let me take a break, and we'll talk about some, uh, some all these movies, actually. I think I've seen everything that you put on your list. Uh, so let's take a break oh, here. Yeah.
0: They're, they're, like, classic. Yeah. <laughs> these are
2: great. And uh, more in a moment with My- Mike Crowley, the uh, the film critic for, you'll probably agree, YPA. Uh, is, is, YPA is a website, right?
0: YPA Review. Uh, It's
2: YPA and then Reviews. Excellent. Ypareviews.com. More in a moment with Mike when we come back Mm -hmm. on Driving at Home with me, Patty Vasquez, sponsored by Minacqua Brewery.
4: This is WCPT 820, where facts matter. Listening to Driving at Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820.
2: I think we lost uh, Mike. He said he was driving, so he might be uh, uh, in and out of a place where he can connect with us. But we are talking about our favorite Halloween movies. And uh, we've got—I don't know if I hung up on him. I don't think I hung up on him. But there's there's Brian. Hey, Brian, what movie did you want to talk about for Halloween?
1: Oh, hi, Patty. First of all, condolences on the loss of your friend. Thank you. Um, I wanted to say uh, that uh, last year, uh, before Halloween, you said you like the kind of movies, Halloween movies, that must uh, kind of mess with your mind, like House on Haunted Hill, and you mentioned The uh, Changeling. Yes. I haven't seen The Changeling uh, in decades, but I have uh, really quickly, uh, Isle of the Dead, 1945, uh, stars Boris Karloff as a uh, general at the end of World War One. Isle of the Dead, uh, Carnival of Souls, Carnival of Souls, 1962, The Haunting, uh, 1963, The Terror um, stars Boris Karloff as a baron, and Jack Nicholson's first full-length film, 1963, The Terror, and uh, one more, uh, The Last Man on Earth, 1964, Vincent Price.
2: Wow. Have you seen uh, Night of the Living Dead? Oh, of course. Now, I was surprised. Now, don't give away the ending, but I have been watching more, uh, I guess, zombie movies. I did not know sort of the mythology behind most of the zombie movies and how they've evolved and the sort of rules. The rules have changed when it comes to what, making zombie films and TV shows. Uh, but that one was I, I really enjoyed uh, that. The filmmaking and uh, the storytelling and the idea that man on man will turn against man. Some men will. You know what I mean? Like, What, what is? how are we going to survive together if we can't work together? Other kind of an idea, and who mm-hmm. are we who are we more who's more dangerous to us the monsters or re- another man, huh
1: and you reference the shining yes. Yeah, that's a great one, and that and uh, I I know it's it's about go, it's a ghost movie, but uh, at the end of the film, uh, uh, you realize it has to do also with reincarnation.
2: Right, right, right. Yeah, let me. That's a that's a great point. Mike Mike Crowley joins us again from you'll probably agree reviews. Mike, would you say? I mean, my the thinking is that it is a reincarn Is it a reincarnation movie? Is it a? Uh, what do you think? You well, know,
0: well, if you see Doctor Sleep, they unfortunately the uh, sequel to The Shining, they actually kind of give you all the answers, which kind of takes away from the mystique of it. But I always like to think of it as it's one of those films where you come up with your own conclusion. Sure. And like I, I always like to play with the idea that the movies in Jack Nicholson's head. And he just had cabin fever. But at the same time, I do kind of like the idea that there is something supernatural and something very wrong going on. Especially when uh, I think like one thing that gives away that actually this is supernatural is like when Shelley Duvall starts seeing yes. some crazy things herself. Like when she sees the guy in the bear costume. Uh, you know, doing and the blood. Uh, something she, to yeah. another guy. She sees the yeah, blood.
2: I, I didn't pick that up, I think, the in the times I've seen it before. Or I don't know if I forgot, but I was... The, because she sees the blood, and the way it washes over the camera is really cool, too. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah,
0: exactly. The elevator scene is incredible. Now, I think that was like a miniature they must have used for it or something like that.
2: Right. Yeah. No. You know, I,
0: because, like, the way the way I was trying to think how they did that shot, like, to get it just right... They probably had like a really tight lens and a small set, and then they just filmed it in slow motion as the blood just came rushing towards the
2: frame. Yeah, it's, it's remarkable. Brian, what did you want to say?
0: Oh, I
1: just wanted to say, uh, in the last uh, a pan in on the shining, there's a photograph. Uh, it pans yes. in on the wall, and there's a photograph don't
2: Don't give it away. Don't give it away.
7: Don't
2: give it away. Don't give it away. Don't give it away. Brian's like I mean, he's going all the way to it. Brian, no, believe it or not, a lot of people no, haven't it seen it yet. Like, I think, it's, I, think it's I know. You look, hey, thanks for calling, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but still, happy, you know, ha- happy happy. Halloween, Brian. Thank you, uh, but still, I mean, you know, let people come to it new. Like, I'm not telling you the ending of the Night of Living Dead, and that was uh, done years and years ago. Which brings me to, oh yeah, 28 days later. You were asking, you you have that on your list as well. Now, my husband didn't like it as I much love as I. That movie. Oh, so do I. And it's not just because it opens yeah. with a, a naked image of Killian Murphy. That's not entirely why. Although I have problems with the oh, fact well, that he, that's part of my reason. <laughs> <laughs> no, I and that brings me to the, like, what's a bigger threat? Is it the monsters or fellow man? Right. And, and so when they get to that uh military holdout like it, it becomes that's also horrifying I mean beyond yeah. oh my god it was that was a lot that was a lot <laughs>
0: that's where the first doctor Strange takes them hostage right and then uh yeah and it, yeah because because the, the, in the end like I think at one point we're actually rooting for one of the zombies Yes. Mila, the one <laughs> the, the one they like lock up on the chain yes like killing and Murphy takes like a machine gun. And he, like, breaks the chain. He gives them that look like, go do your thing. Right. And then Mela just completely ravages the place. Yeah. And at that point, like, there's so much rage. Because, like, I think the theme of the film was rage. You know? Right. This yes. This is what.
2: They're injected you know, with.
0: Uh, right. With, yeah, yeah. This is this is what we end up getting objected with. And, uh, yeah, at that point, like, I think Killian Murphy kind of becomes like a zombie himself because he's so enraged with what they did with. Uh, his sort of developing girlfriend at that time and everyone else where, yeah, it's the, the movie's about zombies I always like because it's sort of like Night of the Living Dead. It's about man turning on each other rather than working together during desperate times, you know, <laughs> January 6th.
2: Yeah, girlfriend, I, I yeah. would I would recommend Train to Busan as well. As you can see, I've gone down a zombie uh, wormhole. Train to Busan, you would oh, really, guess. have yeah. you seen it?
0: No, are, they, are there zombies on the train? Oh,
2: yeah. It's a Korean movie. It's oh, that's super cool. good. And we just watched World War Z, which was fun. And that, in a different way, it's it is actually about people working together. And uh, you know, because it all happens so fast that uh, it's just it's mostly like the mistakes people make along the way. But for the most part, people are working together. So it a little bit different.
0: Yeah, well, that's that's nice to see a kind of reverse where you actually see humanity coming together yeah. during a crisis rather than failing miserably, which seems to be sort of the continuing motif amongst that genre. Right. But yeah, uh, yeah. World War Yeah, I I saw the previews. I'm like, oh, that was kind of, nah, you know, like a little too silly for me. But then again, if you look at any of the Ed Trilogy <laughs> uh, movies, like anything after Night of the Living Dead, it like just turns into a straight up comedy, like the blood and the what well, what was the second one called, like, Dawn of the Dead? Like, it looks like kind of something you would find. It looks like spaghetti-o-pasta.
7: Yeah. <laughs> the, the
0: blood in it, you know. But it was, you are having a lot more fun. That one was more about consumerism, where they're just tearing through a mall And, like, if you want, like, a fun, easy-going sort of, like, zombie movie, I would recommend that one. And apparently it's really hard to find a copy of that movie to rent or anything because of some crazy legal dispute
2: over the ownership of those films. Oh, how funny. And then uh, you also have yeah. so the thing. My husband loves the thing. John oh, Carpenter's yeah. the thing, of course. I like it. Uh, I my husband likes so he wanted to watch it again. I'm like, not nah, got it. I, you know, I, I don't know what it is. <laughs> I get claustrophobic in that movie for some reason. Just because they're it, it's just a lot.
0: <laughs> it's it's a probably lot. because it's about a bunch of guys stuck in the middle of like Alaska in this little cottage, and they all don't know if they're infected or not. You know, it's funny, like, when COVID was happening, I kept thinking of, like, the thing, yeah. you know, like, an infection affects everybody, we don't know who to trust, you know, it's like all those kind of movies started coming in my head, like, during that time, but yeah, I mean, the thing has some of the scariest, like, you got the scene where, like, the guy's head starts to come apart and it turns into a spider yeah it crawls around, oh man, yeah, that was like that was like the complete opposite for John Carpenter who directed it because he did Halloween and that was like a bloodless film, sure, and the thing is just filled with gore to the brim, and yeah, I actually find the thing more frightening than uh than Halloween, although Halloween, I think, is more of a revolutionary movie because that was, like, the movie that introduced the whole slasher genre. Right. You know, that was the first one where someone was going after the babysitter and killing them, and a bunch of teenagers had to escape from a crazy guy, and I had to see the new one. I have to say, though, I'm one of the few people who actually liked Halloween Kills. I thought it was okay. Like, I kind of liked this whole mob mentality slash January 6th commentary it had in it.
2: Right. Right. Now it's, uh, it, it's I also uh, know that you are I, a lot of folks are, uh, disappointed by the new ones. Some people like the new Halloween ends, all that stuff. But uh, before we go, uh, you also mentioned that you're starting to read in our text with each other that you're reading uh, Dracula. Uh, how is that? Uh, how is that framing the way you uh, remember seeing other movies like Bram Stoker's, Bram Stoker's or other Dracula movies or v- vampire movies?
0: It's funny. I called Bram Stoker, too, by accident. I did it that for like years. And then, but it like, yeah, Bram Stoker. But uh, it's, that movie, when you read the novel compared to the movie, like one thing the movie has is like this big love story between Dracula and Jonathan Harker's uh, fiance Mina, and there was no romance between the two in the movie. You know, like all the romantic Dracula stuff is stuff like Hollywood made. Like Dracula is like this guy in the book who is this decrepit old man. He kind of he kind of looks like a homeless guy you'd see like in the middle of like Logan Square or something. Right. Like he just has like long white hair and like this long mustache and pale skin. And there's like a lot of moments in the movie in the beginning where Keanu Reeves is inside the uh, Dra- inside Dracula's castle. That's like really accurate. Right. But then there's just like a lot of stuff where you could tell they like cherry pick and pick <laughs> little things in it. Right yeah. now I'm in the portion of the book that's kind of like slow where it's, like, we've, we like, gone past, like, the whole Jonathan being trapped in the Count's uh, castle. Well, you, and now we're going over to Mina. Right, right. And it's right. just I, a lot of, like, oh, boy, I can't wait to get married. And it's <laughs> <friend> <laughs> right. all over her.
2: Too funny. Well, I'll, I'll check it out myself. I've got to run. We're, we've come to the end of the show. Yeah, it's Mike Crowley. You'll probably agree. Reviews, com. Mike, have, I'll see you maybe on Sunday at the Laugh Factory?
0: Yeah, maybe. Uh, you might, or it might be, uh, or it might be with, uh, might be seeing a movie, actually. Oh, that there
2: you go. <laughs> a, we'll we'll want to hear about, about it. Screening. Got a special screening. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Have a great night. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, everybody. Nice, thank you. Thanks. Have a great night, everybody. Uh, I'm going to be at the Arcata Speakeasy tonight. The show is at eight o'clock tomorrow at nine thirty at the Desplaines Bourbon and Brass. Saturday at nine thirty at the Arcata. again. Laugh Factory on Sunday at seven. I know it's a lot. I'll get back. Oh, I'll, I'll figure it out. I hope you'll be, be there. More, uh, more radio coming up next. We got Mike Crute's Devil's Advocates. They thank you, Lady B. Bye.